We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit Romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. This morning's reading throughout this morning is from the Parsha known as Kidoshim or Holiness. Kidoshim. And where we're going to pick up, I'll tell you in a moment, we're going to be picking up on page 696, verse 15. 696, verse 15. If the only service you come to all year long is the service where we read Kiddushim, chapter 19, 20, the book of uh, Leviticus, you'd be like, you'd be all set. There'd be a good roadmap for you. And what do I mean by that? I mean that the kind of person that lived the Kiddoshim. Can, all, can everybody say that? Kiddoshim? Kiddoshim? One more time. I didn't hear everybody. Kiddoshim. This is that synagogue where we don't let you just zone out. This is that's, this, that, you're in that temple, everybody, right? That's, this is that temple. Temple that Estella says is her ashray place. It's a place where we want you to participate, engage. So one more time. What's that word? Kiddoshim. So if you were a Kiddoshim kind of person, like if you had that, like, hey, how are you? I'm a Kedoshim kind of guy. I'm a kind of Kedoshim. I'm a Kedoshim. Here's the kind of person you would be. I just want to say, if you lived this way, you'd be the kind of person that didn't gossip. You'd be the kind of person that was radically, radically present to injustice. You would fight that all courts made sure not to privilege the rich or the poor. If you were a Kedoshim kind of person, you would make sure that all measurements and all weights when it came to business, all business dealings happened with absolute radical morality. If you were a Kedoshim kind of person, you would respect and honor your ancestors. You would make sure, according to the Kedoshim, the holiness code, that you didn't hate your brother or sister in your heart. You would rebuke them at the right moments, giving them feedback. A Kedoshim kind of person would not be vengeful. Right? You wouldn't take vengeance against anyone. You would love your neighbor as you love yourself, as Estella will tell us. Another thing that would happen if you were a Kedoshim kind of person, you would make sure that you were radically present to what is happening in front of you. You weren't thinking about how can I find out from ghosts or in seances or other other kind of magic, you'd be fully present. Here's another one, verse 32. If you're in the land of Israel, where Hebrew is the lingua franca in the land of Israel, obviously, they speak Hebrew. On buses in the land of Israel, you would have this verse from chapter 19, verse 32. Rise before the aged. Anybody imagine that? Right? 
on buses in the land of Israel, they quote Leviticus to tell you to give your seat to someone who can't sit because they can't stand, because I'm sorry, who can't stand. It's like, no, it's not like public, you know, it's not the public good, it's the, it's the Torah's mandate, 2,000 years old, make sure that you're in the presence of somebody who has wisdom or someone who can't stand, stand up, can't sit, stand up. If you were a Kedoshim kind of person, right, you would make sure that there was a holiness in sexuality and in relationships. That's just kind of the person you would be. You wouldn't steal. You wouldn't lie. Does this sound like the kind of person we want our children to be? The kind of people we want our rabbis, our priests, our ministers to be? Our politicians? The Kedoshim, the holiness code, is a good place to begin and maybe even to end our conversation about what it is to lead a moral and religious or spiritual life. Its rigor, its demands, its obligations would build a just society. The kind of place that Aristotle might say, wow, beautiful. So let's look at page 696 of the holiness code. Everybody there? Everybody there, guys? How about you guys? You guys in the back, you guys there? You there? Okay. 696. Who wants to read? Anybody want to read? Anybody? English? Page 696? Volunteer? Yeah, go ahead, Robin. So, what's happening here? So we begin with justice, right? Don't render an unfair decision. Don't favor the poor or the rich. Be just. Right? Be righteous. Then verse 16, do not deal basely, which by the way becomes the source for gossip. Lo telech rachil is rachilut, God bless you, is gossip. Or it, or it means, right, or it means that if you are a judge, this is one of the ways the rabbis understand this verse, who live a couple thousand years after this is written. But they say, one of the ways to understand the verse about dealing basically with your fellow uh, countrymen is that if you are on uh, a beidin, if you are in a justice, you're justice in a court, and your friend is being tried, and you come out and you say, listen, you're guilty, but it wasn't my fault. I was fighting for you. It was the other guys. That's rechilut, going to the rabbis. That's one form, right? Don't be honest, be transparent. And here's this beautiful verse, verse 17 that Robin read. Lo tisna etachicha bilavavecha. Do not hate your brother, your kinfolk in your heart. And then the clause, What does that mean? Rebuke, reprove your kinsmen. And then no guilt will be incurred. What does that mean? What's the connection between hating your fellow, hating somebody in your heart and rebuking them? Anybody? What's the, what's the connection in the verse? The verse seems to make a connection. It says, don't hate someone, but make sure that you rebuke them. What does rebuking mean? Anybody show me a model of rebuking? Can we do a little rebuke? What is rebuke? That's, that's what rebuke is? Okay. Has anybody rebuked anybody lately? 
Any rebukers? Are you a rebuker? Who's rebuked? Can you tell me what you rebuke somebody for? What did you rebuke them for? And you told him so. Are you privy to say it in, in contours or no, no? Oh, so it's not a specific rebuke. It's like there's a general atmosphere of rebuke. Anybody identify with that? You know, you have the rebuke button on automatic rebuke, 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 rebuke. Okay. Anybody have a specific example where you rebuke somebody? Anybody in the back? Anybody, you know, I know that the back is like a, anybody, anybody rebukers? Anybody identify as a rebuker? Stu, can you give a stand up and make sure everybody can hear you and give a good rebuke? And I'm rebuking you to rebuke us well. Go ahead, rebuke. Yes, when I'm, when I'm starting to speak and somebody interrupts me, I'll go, excuse me, uh, you just interrupted me. Is that a good rebuke? I don't know. Do you think that's a good rebuke? Re you rebuked well. Very good. 100% on your rebuking. You know, anybody else want to, since, since we've now opened it up, any, anybody want to say, yeah, yeah, Richard, yeah. A good rebuke. Right. So Richard said, I have, a, I have somebody who's been working with me for three months. He came and he brought vague work that didn't meet your qualifications, your specifications, and you rebuked. You reflected and you made an expectation. You said, or as Estella said, like that. Right? You did that. That's the rebuking finger. Like that. And you gave him feedback and said, come on. So what's the connection between... The beginning of the verse, do not hate someone in your, in your heart and rebuking them so that you don't incur guilt. That's the end. Those are three moments in the verse. Everybody got this? Do not hate someone in your heart. Part A. Part B, rebuke them or surely you must rebuke them. Part C, that you might not incur or carry guilt on their part. So the rabbis say that if you don't rebuke someone, right, you see them doing something wrong, in this area it's something very personal, something very deep, it's like, but if you don't rebuke them, then you carry the guilt, say the rabbis. Meaning, how can you expect someone to correct their way if you have been given a unique opportunity to now reflect to them their subpar performance? That we as a society participate in its elevation. If we don't have the courage to say to somebody, stop interrupting me, it's not as if the person now is exonerated from interrupting, right? It's wrong to interrupt. But if you don't rebuke them, then you participate in their continued subpar performance, either as someone in your business or as a human being. That there is an art to rebuke and there is an obligation to rebuke. The Torah says we are obligated to rebuke somebody. Now, of course, the rabbis have a very hard time with this because not everybody knows how to rebuke. In fact, the Talmud, a couple thousand years later, says it's we can't find anyone in our generation, the rabbis say, that knows how to give proper rebuke. Because sometimes if you rebuke the wrong way, the person doubles down. Or the person, so let's, let's get these three pieces together, okay? So don't hate someone in your heart or harbor sin'ah, hatred in your heart. Rebuke them, reflect to them, empower them so that you don't participate in their continued 
going to take a couple more points, and then we're going to come for landing because we have another beautiful Dvartar coming. So Suzanne and then Michael, yeah. Beautiful. So you, you wind up, if when you swallow that, when, you, when that's in you, on your heart, wow, that's heavy. Right? So you have to be able to bring it forth. One more, one more comment, and then we're going to come for landing. I'm sorry, because there's a lot going on here, Michael. So that I will, I'll explain. I'll, I'll, not everybody heard what Michael said. So here, so there's another way to read clause C, or the third part of the verse, which says, and that you shalt in, that you're not going to incur guilt. So one way is the way that I mentioned, which is, of course, if you don't rebuke them, then of course you're part of the problem. But there's also a way to read it where it's, in the way that you rebuke them, don't incur guilt. And this comes back to a sermon I gave a couple of weeks ago about connect before you. Say it again. Connect before you. Connect before you correct. It's one of the, like, one of the pieces of the, of attachment theory and the way that we interact with other human beings is that humans are deeply sensitive to when they are instrumentalized. Big word. Where they are idded. Where they're not a human in a relationship. They're someone as a means to an end. And even when we want someone to do something, we can't something someone to have them do that thing. We have to be in relationship with them. So when we correct, we have to first connect on a human level. On a, and, and maybe that's the reason why this entire reading will end with love your neighbor as you love yourself. Like, don't hate your neighbor in your heart. Make sure you rebuke them. But don't forget, you should rebuke them as you would want to be rebuked. Right? How would that look in the world if we rebuke people the way we would want to be rebuked? And especially when we get into a position of power. Especially when we're in a position of power. Because the minute we go from being someone who had been receiving feedback to the one who now has to offer it, we think, oh, it's good. Now, now I'm in power. Yeah, here we go. I always wanted them to be loving towards me, but now that I'm the boss, watch out. Right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Reprove your neighbor as you would want to be reproved. Rebuke your neighbor as you would want to be rebuked. Reflect to your neighbor the way you would want to be reflected to as well. So here, this thing is a big thing. Because some of us have rebuke as a, as a way of life. Some of us have rebuke as a 24-7 way. We, like, you know, we're honestly always giving rebuke. And it's hard. To reframe rebuke from rebuke to reflection. You know, there are some amazing people in this room who make a living being great coaches. And what is a great coach other than somebody who knows how to inspire someone, give them feedback on what's missing without depleting them and diminishing them? Lift them up. Lift them up. Tell them what's missing in a way that they say, okay, I want to fill that in. So I wanted to call this reading, there's a first aliyah this morning is for anyone this morning, uh, anyone who feels called to stand with the Torah, to receive the blessing, and to hear the call of the Torah, the obligation to give rebuke, A, and B, to give it lovingly, or in a way that we would want to have it given to us, to have both the courage to air the things in the heart that might fester and become painfully, right, painfully uh, placed on the sensitive, vulnerable heart and to bring that out, but to bring it out in a way that it can be received. That's this morning's open up. I invite anyone this morning who feels that that's where you are in your life to receive that blessing. Uh, it might not be you, but if it is you, please come forward for the first Aliyah.